the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you here today. Your host, great to be with you. We got Todd Friel on the show today. Lots of different things we're going to talk about. Masks in San Diego and other things that you're going to have to wear if you go to school there in San Diego. Plus some candy that you should avoid just in case it's got some marijuana in it that happens to look just like regular candy. So there's a lot of different things that we are going to talk about today. And you can give us a call and join the conversation at 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. All right. So, uh, you know what? There's lots of different things going on in uh, the news, and I wanted to talk a little bit about what happens when we get when we get lied to? What happens when things are not going our way? What happens when what happens when we hear words that don't mean what we think they they mean? Sometimes people say things that are misconstrued, and um, uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Is uh, is our interview ready uh, right now? All right, let's go to uh, our interview. We have uh, Todd Friel on the air with us right now, and uh, we'll talk about the other things a little bit later. Uh, Todd Friel is the host of Wretched Radio. Maybe you've heard him here on KKLA. Wretched is a ministry that he runs. It's a parachurch ministry that exists to strengthen and serve the local church by persistently which I like that part, persistently discussing the importance of the local church and pleading with believers to become members of the best local church that they can find. Uh, Retro Radio is hosted by Todd Friel. And Todd, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Todd. Are you Hello, with me? Scott. How are you? I'm doing fine, Todd. Thank you for joining me on the program today. You know, when I think about your, your program and your, your website, which is wretched.org, uh, it reminds me of a conversation I had with somebody a long time ago when I was in college. I was I went out with somebody and I met her mom and she had always told me that her mom hated the song Amazing Grace. And I asked her why mm. do you why do you hate the song Amazing Grace and she looked at me and she was very angry and she looked got right in my face and she said because I am not a wretch. And I was like, "Oh, okay. So I have a question for you. Uh do Christ, are Christians offended by their faith?" Well, first of all, uh, Paul considered himself a wretch in Romans chapter 7, wretched man that I am who will save me from this body of death, and then he breaks into a doxology, but thanks be to God for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, yeah, I'm afraid we're wretches, and that's really offensive, and quite honestly, I think you you might be a little surprised by this response, Scott. I think a reason that so many Christians are a little bit ashamed or embarrassed about their faith is because we have seen a massive proliferation of false converts in both the church pews and down the hall in the youth group. Hmm. 60 to 80 percent of high school kids fly off to university. They leave the family home. They leave the family faith. 
And another really wicked trend these days, a lot of kids don't even talk to their parents anymore. And we've got to start asking the question, all right, what has changed? We didn't used to see these statistics. You see a statistic from a mass crusade. You can't find over 90 percent of those people who made a decision for Christ darkening the doorstep of a church. So we got to stop. Okay, we've got some empirical data. Let's be Christian scientists, you know, not that kind, but let's be a scientist who's a Christian and ask the question, what does the data say? And the data says something has changed in the last several decades in evangelicalism that is causing what Jesus warned us about repeatedly. Wise virgins, foolish virgins, good fish, rotten fish, wheat, tares, the parable of the four soils. What has changed in evangelical Christianity? Now, in your time, how long have you been in ministry now? 75 years. It's 75 years. And uh, I, I understand how long that can be. In fact, uh, I think we saw the beginning of your ministry with the web telescope. They looked back in time, and there it was. <laughs> no, I, it feels like 75. <laughs> no, I know. I know. How long, really, though, has it been? Oh, wow. I'm horrible at dates, but 20-some years. Well, and here's really my my question. So in the 20-some years, and, and you're talking about false conversions. I mean, that's a that's a big deal. Um, and those statistics about kids who uh, are in the youth group, they grow up in church, and they leave, and in 15 minutes after they go to college, they're no longer claiming to be believers. Um, that's on us, right? That's not on some smart aleck professor that was smart enough. Scott, have you, have you seen the Jordan Peterson video that just broke a few days ago? Uh, maybe. Which one was that one? Okay, Doc, Dr. Jordan Peterson, yeah. psychologist from Toronto, has caught on like wildfire. Great yes. thinker. Mm-hmm. Really smart man. But his profession of faith, let's just say it's subpar. That's and right. he delivered a message to the Christian churches. So, okay, we'll listen to what you have to say. And I'm afraid he was spot on. He noticed that his number one demographic that was attending events following him on YouTube are young males. Yes. And he believes one of the reasons, at least, is because the evangelical church has failed to call young men up. In fact, if you consider the trend for the last 40 years, we have been trying to dumb down church, water it down, make it cool, hip, relevant, groovy, and just lighten up on all the doctrine stuff. We don't catechize. We throw a lot of pizza parties. We are in love with gross-out games. Did you know there's websites that actually teach youth pastors how to do gross-out games with the kids? Full a, website. Would you like to know what some of those gross-out games are, Scott? You know, I'm afraid I probably know a couple, but maybe you could share them, and uh, we'll enlighten everybody listening. Okey-dokey. Well, you will uh, have instructions to go to Home Depot and buy a new toilet. You want to clean it out, of course, because, mm-hmm. come on, we're not barbarians. Fill it up with water, put Tootsie Rolls in it, and have them bob for them. Right. Hey, that's dignified for the kids. And then there's one of my favorites, where one young boy will put peanut butter in his armpit, and another kid has to lick the peanut butter out of his armpit. And if you think I'm making that up, go to YouTube, type in youth group, comma, peanut butter. And one of the individuals that had peanut butter licked out of his armpit is a megachurch youth pastor in Florida. They're called gross out games. Frankly, I think they border on illegal and criminal. But we are teaching our kids that we don't respect them and that we don't think they have a lot of potential and that they're dumb and they don't want big things. Jordan Peterson is proving they want big things. They want transcendent. They want eternal. They want lofty. 
and they want to work. And so we see a New York Times bestseller from a Navy admiral directing kids to make your bed. That's the thesis of the book. Make your bed in the morning and you'll be more of a success. Okay, and the kids gobble it up. Why? Because the churches are busy with amusements, entertainment, but very low on calling young people up. So we need to take a look at the statistics, look at the science, go back and say, we've moved from that stodgy old catechesis, teaching theology, we've made youth group an absolute whoop-de-do-fest, and the results are in. It's been a disaster. Mm. And that's been going on for quite a while. You know, I I was fortunate to be in a youth group where, uh, you know, we didn't have any games that were uh, on, on that level of things. Um, but we uh, we got Bible. We had Bible study and Bible teaching, and we got out of youth group. And, and I'll tell you what, just now that you're even saying that, when I think of the people that I grew up with in youth group, some of them who walked away from the Lord, they've come back. Many of them have come back. It's been a joy for my former youth director and, and uh, my dad, who was the pastor there. And what they all said is the same thing. They said, you thought maybe we weren't listening, but I was. And when I went out and I discovered you were right, I knew where to turn because they knew the Bible. <laughs> Right. right. And uh, yeah. and that's pretty good. And I spent 18 years as a senior pastor, and I had to ban some youth group games uh, from different youth directors who were playing the same game. There must be a book, right, a website. It's like, you can't play that. that ah. you, know, you can't do that. So what do we do? I, you know, in the Jordan Peterson, if you don't know who Jordan Peterson is, uh, you can Google him. His, his statement of faith, his testimony is not spot on. Okay, so you need to know that. But he says so many things that are accurate, particularly about men. I think that's why it's it's caught on, right? Because who out there is speaking well about the the qualities of men and what men are called to do? And he does that very well. Uh, where do we go from here? So you interact with people of all generations, but you spend a lot of time on your program with uh, the younger kids. What would you say is the first step for a church that wants to think about this and how do we address it? Well, I, I think we need to do a, a realignment of what the goal is. What what do we really want for these kids? Do we really want them to mature in the faith, or do we just want them to keep coming, hopefully, so that their parents don't get upset? Hmm. So I think we need to adjust, first of all, the recognition that most of the kids that are sitting in evangelical churches, and I do not say this with glee, most of those kids are unregenerate. I know I, I'm in the Bible Belt in Atlanta, Georgia. I go to university campuses regularly to talk to students. And on average, I did the math on this, Scott. Yeah. Every kid in the Bible Belt has been saved 7.4 times. They've been saved 7.4 times? <laughs> Give or take. <laughs> My math might be a little off on that. But you ask them the most fundamental questions. This is, this. I'm, I'm not exaggerating this. Excuse me, young man, young lady. Did you ever grow up in a religious home? Yeah, went to church all the time, youth group and stuff. Cool. Then can you tell me the gospel? The what? It's called the gospel. Oh, that's like Matthew, Mark, Paul, and John. No, well, that's half the Beatles, but that's not right. what the gospel is. Those are four gospel writers. What's the gospel? I don't know. It means good news. What's the good news of Christianity? I don't know. We cannot assume our kids know anything. And so we need to be relentless with teaching them, reminding them, reading the Bible with them. Yes, forcing them to memorize Bible verses, catechism questions, and stop with the dopiness in youth group. 
Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good a really good point. I I would ask this as you're talking about this. Do uh, adults know the gospel? No. Yeah. Look, it's, it's it's not like hey, I get to share some groundbreaking news here that most people are actually <laughs> lost. I don't like this, mm. but I I again the the evangelical church has adopted a seeker sensitive model now. I think Jordan Peterson and virtually every Barna statistic you read has demonstrated we read it wrong. The culture is looking for more. You can go to YouTube and you can spend days. These pastors, they're, they're, they're riding motorcycles onto the stage. There's a guy ziplining in to show what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. You've got a guy dressed up as a big dollar bill dancing around to a cameo song from the uh-huh. 80s. That is church. That's the seeker-sensitive movement, and the results are in. It didn't work. Let's get back to teaching the Bible. I think that uh, you're you're right about this. And do you feel that maybe churches are afraid to teach the Bible, like that that they think people just aren't going to understand? What's the where did we where did we step off that train at some point? Well, I, I look. There's a lot of good pastors out there, and yeah. there are many good churches. But I'm talking about evangelicalism that has become the seeker-sensitive motif, where we do anything to attract people. It's the attractional model. You even go out into your neighborhood, hey, what would you like church to be in order for you to attend? So in other words, we're asking the goats what they want when the sheep should be gathered. We are trying to bring them in through any mean and method. We don't want to teach them heavy truths because that's going to turn them off. So we say, we say, We'll just teach the light and fluffy on Sunday, but Wednesday night we'll really give it to them. But they never do. And evangelical seeker sensitivity is a model that, first of all, it is not biblical. Why in the world would we want to take our cues from the world? And second of all, the world doesn't want that. We are such hackneyed knockoff entertainment some of the you know these opening up the worship song with acdc's highway to hell because it's the big 80s because that's when the pastor grew up so he thinks he's being cool hip and relevant and we have done everything to degrade make church stupid when people are actually telling us and jordan peterson proves it they want more put me to work tell me what to do you can tell me how to dress tell me how to act we help me and I'll help you. And that's one thing we need to be telling the young people. We want you. We want you. You've got stuff to offer. I don't think you're a snowflake. Hmm. I think you're an image bearer. You've got some unique gifts. Come be a part of something other than yourself. That's Jordan Peterson's message on this recent video. And frankly, we should hear it if we have ears to hear. You're listening to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. My guest is Todd Friel, host of Wretched Radio that airs right here on KKLA on Saturdays at 9 a.m. And you can go to wretched.org to find more information and to follow Todd. As you can tell, Todd is very passionate about the church. And you know, Todd, which is great. And that's one of the things we want to do on the show is we want to be able to speak to the church without you know, we're radio and we have some, you know, funny comments we can make once in a while, but uh, we don't have a smoke machine or lasers uh, or some other things that apparently the Holy Spirit needs in some places. <laughs> oh, you've seen that routine, have you? I don't, you know, it's, I read a book a few years ago. It was called Jim and Casper Go to Church. Are you familiar with that? The book's probably 20 years old. 
there's a pastor yeah pastor from uh texas somewhere who used to pay atheists to come to his church and he'd pay him like 25 bucks or 50 bucks a sunday to sit there and then he'd have lunch with them after and go what did you think and it's so insightful because they basically said why does the holy spirit need all of that that you're doing and yeah. so so what the book's about is that he takes his atheist friends to all these churches around the country big churches small churches all kinds of different kinds and it's pretty insightful, you know, not that the the atheist is the one who should be informing what we think, but if our if our goal is to bring people to Christ, we should know how things are coming across. Are they coming across, you know, faithfully to Jesus uh, or to the gospel or not? So, um, you know, as we do this, I think the church, I think the church knows this. Maybe you Maybe you've seen something different, but one of my thoughts is that with the COVID and the church shutdown and the stirring up and 30% or so, depending on your statistic, never came back to church. They were probably on their way out anyway. Um, what is it that the church can do to not lose this moment of self-reflection and get back to discipleship and the Jesus who's in the Bible and to believe that we have a culture who wants to hear the truth? Stop telling people that watching a church service online is church. Mm. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's virtual not. reality. It's not reality. You need human interaction. So don't close your church to be to open up an internet model. You can't do the one another's there. You can't love one another, serve one another, care for one another, comfort one another, exhort and rebuke one another. It just doesn't yeah. happen online, and it's not real. And I think that people, and we see, you you bring up COVID, the churches that tried to have a steady hand through the thing and not send everybody off to the internet and give them a permission to try to do church on Sunday morning from their lazy boy, they're exploding with Mm -hmm. attendance because people are like, okay, you guys are serious about God. You're preaching the Bible. We want to go there. If you look at statistics, every single church denomination or movement is shrinking but one. And those are the Bible-based conservative preaching and teaching churches that have a high view of God, the Bible, and salvation. They are growing like nobody's business. So if there's a pastor listening, oh, sir, stay the course. Keep preaching the word two times in season and out of season. Don't let people tell you that according to the latest polar survey, you've got to do church this way. Preach the word. Be faithful to your call as the Bible defines it and leave the results to God. And if you shrink and have to close up shop, at least you can do it having been a faithful servant. Mm. Yeah, that's a good word there. You know, our church, uh, we have always just been biblical. We'd go through books of the Bible, and we'd have, you know, the new person thing that come in. And, and it's amazing to me how many people said, I've been to multiple churches and never found any until I came here that actually preached through the Bible. I think there's a lot mm-hmm. more than maybe what we think, uh, but they don't have the, the, the best advertising or the best Facebook page or something, so they're harder to find. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny. You you were asking earlier about you know why it is that you know are we embarrassed about our faith? I'm in Atlanta, and there's a lot of mega churches around here. And recently, one of the highest profile guys said we need to unhitch the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Our problem began when we started singing "Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so." It is 
trying to apologize in the worst sense of the word, apologize for the Christian verities. We got to just stay away from that Old Testament because, wow, there's a lot of slaughtering going on. There's a lot of bad behavior that's happening. And so this individual, in an effort to have thousands of people attend, basically said, we're just not going to open the left side of the book, which is a massive tragedy. And I think a really shocking display of a lack of understanding what the Bible is. Without the Old Testament, Jesus literally would be a New Testament crackpot. Right. <laughs> he is grounded in the Old Testament scriptures. He's prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures. There's types and shadows of Jesus in the Old Testament. Who is he? He's the one that fulfills all of those prophecies. And if those prophecies didn't exist, we would be skeptical about trusting a man who said, that's right. I'm God, believe in me only. Yes, that's right. My guest is Todd Friel, who is the host of Wretched Radio. Todd, um, you know, with all of this, maybe people are listening, and maybe there, there's two things that maybe I want to finish with these two two thoughts. One is, what would you say is something that you're seeing that's encouraging, you know, giving people hope? The, the, uh, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. The church, capital C Church, is not going away. Um, the way we do it might be going away at some point. Um, what would you say is the most encouraging thing you're seeing? And then I want us to uh, make sure we get the gospel clear out there for anybody who's listening who might be saying, well, am I saved? How do I know? What's the most encouraging yeah, well, thing? And I, I, Go ahead. I think you actually you, you said one of them. If you want to, you said the first one, which is Jesus is building his church. Please mm-hmm. note, he's not building an earthly kingdom, a political realm. He is building his church. That is what is dear to him. And it's marching. And even now, people are pouring into the kingdom. Don't worry about the current administration, political regime, the devolving of our country. Oh, it's all there. But Jesus is building his church. Never doubt it. Yes. And then the second thing that I think has been encouraged, should be encouraging to people I'm going to use a big fancy theological word that we shouldn't use because we assume people are too dumb to get anything that's trisyllabic. Sovereignty. Sovereignty. God is ruling. God is reigning. When you think about Isaiah and his vision of God, when you go back to Isaiah 5 and 6, he has a vision of God. And he is just, he believes I'm just a guilty, terrible sinner. But why do we have that vision? It's because in Isaiah's time, it was in the death of King Uzziah, who was a good king. And Isaiah has this vision so that God can communicate to his people, don't panic that you lost a good king. I'm the king. I'm reigning. Consider the book of Revelation. Domitian is persecuting the church. The people are asking beloved and elderly John, what's going on? What's going on? What does he do? He points them to a vision of heaven and says, look at the throne. The king is seated. He's not in a panic. He's not pulling out his hair. He is reigning at the right hand of the Father. Our comfort and our hope is built in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you'd like to conclude with that, uh, the gospel is actually quite simple. You and I are really big, bad, terrible, wicked, horrible sinners. Wretched. And Jesus is an amazing Savior. So if you are feeling that you are too guilty, you run to Jesus Christ. He is mighty to save. Come, you sinner, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus, ready, stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. You're not too bad. In fact, frankly, 
the worse you are, the more glory he receives for forgiving a sinner like you. So come to gentle Jesus, who will one day judge the world in righteousness. Come to him on his terms in repentance and faith. And if you're somebody who's been going to church and you've never repented, you know something Mm. is off. Did you turn from your sins, not in perfection, but a new direction? Did you put your trust in Jesus Christ? If not, today is the day of salvation. If you've got a question about that, uh, you can reach out to me right now. at uh, You can email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, and I'll get back to you if you want to know more about Jesus and the gospel. You can also give me a call, 888-528-2557. My guest has been Todd Friel. Todd, thank you for being on our program today. Really appreciate it. I know you challenge our listeners and the listeners and the uh, people who also uh, check you out at Wretched.org all the time. Well, just know, sometimes we talk about lighter stuff. We're not always crabby. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Uh, so, you know. Fact, if, if, they, if they do get a chance, I know Saturday morning can be Aaron morning, but we're, we get to be on at 9 o'clock right after our buddy David Wheaton, who does an awesome Saturday morning program. And we, one, one day a month, we go out to the university campuses, and you can hear me actually talk to students who mostly believe we're living in a computer simulation or a big giant stream, and you'll hear actual evangelism so that you can be equipped and encouraged to share your faith. Right. Uh, Thank you, Todd, for being with me today. Appreciate it. We'll have you on again. Hope you have a great day out there. Thanks for getting me whipped up. All right, all right. My it's guess almost, it's almost six thirty in the east, and I'm it's almost bedtime for me, and you've got me all agitated. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you can watch a rerun of the World Series last year and be excited about that. <laughs> that was cruel. All right, well, you know, I'm a Dodger fan, and we were guaranteed a championship this year. So, uh, you know, good luck to you. All right, Todd, thank you for what you do. My guest is Todd Friel. Go to wretched.org to uh, check out his ministry. And uh, he is on KKLA every Saturday morning at 9 a.m., 99.5 KKLA. This is Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. We had uh, Todd Friel on a minute ago. He got things uh, pretty revved up. You want to respond to anything he had to say? Give me a call. 888-528-2557. I think a big one that he said. And Todd Friel is the host of Wretched Radio and his program's on 9 o'clock KKLA on Saturdays is the number of people, he said some huge percentage that he thinks of people who go to church on Sundays who aren't saved. And I'll go tell you what, that, you know, from, on the one hand, we got to be really careful about that because we're not the one who decides that, right? We don't get to be the ones who say that. I think that the scriptures are pretty clear that there are people who are saved that uh, we may think are not and people who are not saved who we think are. And, um, but a big part of it is, is that a lot of church people and maybe you're struggling with this. And if you are, you've got to investigate this. Don't just let it slide. Don't just think to yourself, oh, I've been in church my whole life. I must be okay. You know, a, a mistake that churches do is we're not, well, the big thing is that we're not about discipleship. We're not, you know, discipleship is an intentional process of helping people grow in their faith. And if you're doing that process with somebody, you figure out eventually just through conversation, whether or not they understand the gospel. You figure out eventually if you are really discipling people, if they, because you're in conversation and in relationship with people, which is what the church is supposed to be, 
you know, I think I think he was right to say that the church is not online church. That's a big deal for us right now. I think online church is cool if you're homesick or you get you know you need to stay home for some reason. Or you're traveling, you can stay connected, but you got to be in a church. You got to be with people. You have to have relationships to build each other up. We we have a battle that we are supposed to be fighting, and I think maybe a mistake that's been made for a long time is we have people come up. And uh, they say a little prayer that's not in the Bible, and they think they're saved, and we hand them a Bible that has we got cheap because it was like a dollar a Bible, and the print is so small you can't even read it. And uh, so we hand them that Bible, and then we give them their giving envelopes, and we say, welcome to church. And then maybe they're not growing. Have you grown in your faith? If you're a believer, have you grown in your faith? If you're not a believer— can you articulate what a Christian is and what's different about a, a Christian versus you know, a Muslim or a Jehovah's Witness or some other religion out there? You know, in America, we have, there's so many lines that get blurred on a lot of that. You know, a lot of American, you know, pick your religion is not even that religion. There's a lot of Buddhist heretics and Hindu heretics and Muslim heretics. And, you know, uh, there's a whole lot going on that I think as a culture, we, we, I think we do want to dig in, but we, we don't. I think it's spiritual, and there is so much deception going on. And I've wanted to talk about this because there is so much phony baloney uh, that is out there, and I don't know if we are that good at understanding the whys. And what I mean by that is that when we see deception in our culture, when we when we finally recognize it, we realize it's been there a long time, and sometimes it's it's on purpose. It's a deliberate uh, tactic uh, that is going on, and that's what the that's what Satan does right from the beginning. And I like to say that you know if you want to know what's wrong in our country or what's wrong in our churches, what's wrong in a lot of places, it's that we've eliminated Genesis one through three. It's that we don't want to talk about those issues, or if we're going to talk about creation, we want to argue about the how, not the what it actually means, you know, and we, we can spend, we can go around and around with a whole lot of people about how many years this is a six twenty four hour days, all this stuff. And, you know, for some people they're arguing because they want to make sure that you believe that the scripture is true. And that's kind of really the, the issue at the core, but we get so tied up into things. We forget that we are created in the image of God, that God is the creator, which makes him the judge, which makes him right, which makes him, it makes him ontologically right. Meaning that if I disagree with God too bad, I'm not right. I'm just not. If you, you know, if you read something in the scripture and it's clear you know, there are certain things in the Scripture that we can debate and maybe have different opinions about, and that's fine, but there are certain things you really can't. God created the world. You know, that's an interesting thing about this telescope, the uh, Webb telescope, that they're taking these pictures. The pictures are beautiful. I have to say, again, I'm a little underwhelmed because there are things we've seen before. It's just like we got a better TV and it's sharper now. Uh, I was, I, and maybe I just had it wrong. I was listening to somebody today who's kind of explaining it in the infrared light, and there's you know, all the stuff about seeing back in time into uh, the beginning of time and the Big Bang and whatever they want to say. Um, and certainly when God said, let there be, bang, there it was. It's the old bumper sticker. But that's got to be right. You know, that it probably made a noise. Uh, and there would be light and, and whatever. I, I guess I was hoping that they would target that telescope at a at you know, one of Jupiter's moons, and we would see a big black monolith on it with some apes jumping around it or something like that old movie. 
uh, and we're not seeing any of that yet. But the the whole conversation about origins, which isn't really what what science is able to do, no matter what you say, at some point, science can't explain what was there before the Big Bang, and they can't explain all the you know those different theories and ideas. But you don't really know, and you don't really know the causes. There's just some idea. When you know that there's a creator, however God did it, when you understand that that's way beyond our capacity to even understand, but that God created, that he cares, he didn't create and walk off, he made us in his image, male and female, he created us, that he put us in a garden and we're running around, you know, and uh, everything's good, gave us one rule, one lousy rule, don't eat of that tree. Um. And he has to do that because what he wants is genuine relationship. And you've got to give people a choice at some point. And I realize the whole argument about, you know, what does God know and when did he know it and free will? I'm not trying to get into that. I'm just, just texting what it says. They decided to eat the tree. They ate the tree and they were lied to by the serpent. Like, do you believe that there's a devil? If you don't, Genesis 1 through 3, you wiped it out. That's where he begins. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And she said to the servant, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But did God say, the servant says, you must not eat fruit from the tree uh, that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. See, he, he uh, she adds that little part there. Um, uh, he adds that little part there. You will not certainly die, the serpent says to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it from your eye, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And she's tempted, and that's the fall. That's why we have sin. That's why we have pain. That's why we have death. That's why we have separation from God. God was walking around in the garden together. And, you, and then you have a story of Scripture where God always wants to be with his people, and what's happening, the entire creation is going back to God wanting to be with his people and restoring people to that state where everything is right in the relationship. Old and New Testament, you got that. If you get rid of Genesis, even one through three, you don't have this anymore. It's gone. And then you might as well have as many genders as you want. And then the value of human beings doesn't really matter. And, you know, it doesn't, There, there's no creator at this point. So who or what is God? Well, it must be the state or it must be whoever the authoritarian figure is. Who decides morality if there's no creator? If there's, if there's no creator, if we're just dust in the wind, like the old song says, well, then morality is decided by whoever has the biggest weapon. Uh, that's, that's how that gets done. And then that person's morality is wiped out when somebody comes up with a bigger weapon. And survival of the fittest, that's all you got. And that's pretty meaningless. That's pretty sad. Can I encourage you? You know, salvation, when you get into the scriptures, it's easy. In in the sense, not easy for, you know, the Lord. He gave his son to suffer and die on our behalf, but easy in that you don't have to earn it. You get salvation because you believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior. You repent. We're called to repent. It means turn around. It means believe God. Trust him with your life. Have you done that? Have you trusted God with your life? Do you understand this? And I, I'm a little riled up about it because I had a person in I had a person in my church one time who, in her 90s, asked me uh, to explain the gospel to her, and it was like she'd never heard it. She'd been in church her whole life, and I said to her, I said, "How can you have been in, you know, 80 Easter sermons, and you still don't get this?" And she was thinking about it because you know when you're 90, you start thinking about the next step. And uh, I think she actually got saved then. 
That's my opinion. My opinion, because she changed after that. I think she accepted the Lord and gave her life to Christ then. Like her whole life, she was in church on boards and committees and doing all the church stuff. And she couldn't explain the gospel. She didn't even understand it herself. What in the world is she doing? Well, sometimes church is our social club, right? It's a great place to have a social club. It's a great place to get together with people and they'll pray for you and they'll love you and they'll bring you stuff and you can bring them stuff and they'll sing your birthday song and you know, there's a lot of cool stuff about going to church. I hope that you're part of a church that preaches the gospel, that wants to make disciples. I got to take another break. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Scott Furrow, your host, will be back as Southern California Live continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. If you want to join the conversation, the number is 888-528-2557. 888-LA-TALKS. 888-528-2557. Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department today issued a public service announcement, according to Fox 11 News, warning parents to make sure that the cannabis candies you're buying don't end up in the hands of your kids. Now, that seems like a... uh, (laughs) You know, I can't even believe we have to have this conversation, really, but we do. And uh, the the incredible thing about this is that it isn't just candies. The department, sheriff's department, put a photo out of the packaging that these candies are in, and they look exactly like candy bars you would just buy at the supermarket. But you have to look carefully at the the writing on there. Instead of Reese's peanut butter cups, it looks just like Reese's peanut butter cups. Same shape, same colors, same font. But it doesn't say Reese's. It says Reefers. Reefers peanut butter cups. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of... It's uh, There's one that says... That looks like it's a candy of like a little thing you might pick up at Starbucks at the uh, register there. Sometimes I get those little chocolate-covered almonds. They're pretty good. But it doesn't say Star. Starbucks, it says Star Buds, <laughs> and there's another package that looks like Oreos, and this one's a little more noticeable if you read the word, all right, but it doesn't say Oreos, it says Stonio. <laughs> That's really incredible. It is, and you know, there's M&Ms, and the M&Ms, it looks just like a bag of M&Ms. In fact, there's a little M&M guy on there. A little red guy, he looks a little hazy, but he's sit, he's there, and he's got the legs and the arms, and he's kind of looking up, and it looks the same color as plain M&Ms, but it's M, and instead of the ampersand, the and symbol there in M's, it's M-N, letter N, M's. I don't even know what that means, <laughs> but I, I do know that I don't want that uh, anywhere near my kids or myself for that, you know. Uh, according to Children's Hospital, while older kids and teens may be curious about getting high, I hope you're not helping your kids do that. I hope that, like, Christmas time comes and, uh, you know, you've got a 14-year-old and you're like, you know what, I'm going to put some Reefer's peanut butter cups in his stocking. <laughs> uh, and uh, are you doing that? Don't do that. Uh, while older kids in Children's Hospital, while older kids may be curious about getting high, Younger children are more apt to mistake edibles for actual snacks. What do you mean? I would have grabbed that and said, oh, look, M&M's. And uh, imagine if I had done that at the beginning of this show. It might get really weird by the end of it. (laughs) Maybe that would be super entertaining. I don't know. But uh, 
this is uh, this is for real. I'm not even making this up. This is where you know our our culture has just has really gone here. Um, so a pediatric doctor is quoted by Fox 11 News encouraging parents to keep these kinds of edibles and other cannabis-containing products far from children, assuming I guess that you have these in the house. They're just in the pantry. You've got them in the uh, the drawer by your bedside or something. Uh, even older kids who understand the concept of edibles may eat multiple doses while waiting for the effects to keep it to kick in. I do that with regular candy. Now, you know, do you ever get that that there's this caramel covered and cheese covered popcorn bag you can get at Costco? It's like G. L. Chesterton's, you know, pop. That stuff is a drug. What is in that stuff? You buy the uh, seventy-five pound bag of this, and it's like five dollars. I eat so much of that, and I am sick as a dog. And it doesn't settle in right away. You're just having fun, and you're watching TV, you're watching a ball game, and you got some G.L. Chesterson's. That stuff is amazing. But it needs to come in tiny bags. Otherwise, you know. So do peop- are people doing this? Is there a version of that that has some kind of a pot on it? I don't think people have self-control when it comes to uh, stuff. And I, th- I guess particularly if it's uh, if it's kicking in. These <laughs> These products need to be handled with the same caution as medications or alcohol in the home. You think that's but maybe we don't know that. Maybe it's because uh when it comes to this kind of stuff we're just like <laughs> you know, I look at what I got in the house. Health officials say that most of the time children who eat cannabis containing edibles do not have a serious reaction. However, some do end up in the emergency room and some have to be hospitalized. Young children may become very sleepy, sometimes to the point that they're not breathing sufficiently. In the rarest and most serious cases, children can have seizures, the hospital noted. (laughs) Okay. Uh, You know, I got... I... We're just... You know, there's, there's moderation in all things. Can you do pot in moderation? I mean, you know, if you go... I mean, these are the little candy. And I'm not talking about medical stuff, okay? I'm not talking about it if you're trying to deal with pain. And But if you are, use it like a medicine and put it away from the kids, right? You shouldn't put it in a fancy, you know, a fancy little bag there, you know? I mean, do they uh, do they give you a little fancy little, uh, you know, bag to put your Lipitor in? You know, I don't think they do. You know, we don't do that with any kind of other uh, drug that we, we do that for. What's you know, the uh, And if you're smoking it, don't do that. American Lung Association, go to their website. You, they're screaming about, hey, if you were against cigarettes and cigarette smoke and all of that, then you should definitely be against smoking a doobie because it's worse for your lungs. You're going to get more tar in your lungs. There's no filter on it. There's no you know, sense of, uh, you know, it's a whole different thing. Uh, where's the wisdom? And this is kind of the, the, the question I leave w- with this, is that so many people, you know, when we ask the question, and I know that you're on different pages, we could probably have an argument about whether or not this is okay. I'm talking about recreational pot use, okay, which is now legal. Did you change your mind about pot once it became legal? It's a weird thing, isn't it, that sometimes you're totally against something and then it's legal. It's like, oh, the court says it's okay, and then I can do it. <laughs> so here's the thing to keep in mind. If you're wondering if it's a good thing or not, if you're wondering, can I do this in moderation? If you are trying to be right about it, as you can ask the question, is it right? Is it legal? Is it ethical? Is it moral? 
All those questions, I'll bet we have different answers for that. I'll bet some of you have really good answers for that and different and, and disagree in different ways. But when you ask the question, is it wise? What is the wise thing to do? That changes it, doesn't it? I mean, is it legal? Is it moral? Is it ethical? Is, you know, it's, is it safe? You know, we can argue all about that. Is it the wise thing to do? No. You know, it's not, once again, I'm not talking about the medical stuff and, you know, but what is wise? That's a great question for anything in your life. If you're trying to make a decision or you're wondering, you know, why is my life on the wrong track? Ask the question, is what I'm doing wise? Not, is it okay? Is it legal? Is it permissible? All things are permissible, but not everything is beneficial. How do you know the difference? You have to ask, is it wise? That's always the best question. Is what I'm doing wise? It, it filters out so many other options. It can be, it doesn't have to be a moral decision. It can be just a regular life decision. Do I take this new job that I'm offered or not take this new job? Uh, should I ask for a raise or not? Should I ask this person out or not? Should I download that app or not? Should I uh, buy this at the supermarket? Should I invest in this product or not? You know, you can come up with all kinds of different answers. You're going to do better if the question you ask yourself is, is this the wise thing to do? Is this the wise way I should spend my time? Is this the wise place to put my money? Sometimes we don't know, right? Sometimes that's kind of hard. You can filter out a lot of stuff, but sometimes you're still left with, you know, doors one, two, and three. You know, but at least you don't have doors one through a hundred. You know, is it wise? will very often just tell you what the answer is because, you know. Uh, is it wise that I go out and drink too much? No. Uh, especially if you're driving, right? Don't do that. Um there's a weird statistic that says that uh, during recessions, drunk driving deaths and accidents go down. And the reason they go down is because people choose to drink at home rather than drink while they're out. When the economy is good, people go out to restaurants and they get drunk at the restaurant and then they come back and they get in the car accident and cause all that. When the economy is bad, people just drink at home and then they just sleep on the couch or whatever. Either way, you shouldn't do it. But if you're if you're getting drunk, um, but is it the wise thing to do? It's No, don't do that. Just a, just a piece of advice for you that I think is helpful. It helps me all the time. What is the wise thing to do? And uh, that's why we have, by the way, the Bible. We've got books on wisdom. That's why we have wisdom books. We've got Proverbs. You can, you can go through the Proverbs and live your life that way. And you can ignore the God stuff in there and, and live a life where you're making better decisions. You're making one really bad one by not giving your life to the Lord. Um, you can go through the book of... Uh, Ecclesiastes, Solomon makes all the dumb choices for you. He's the wisest man in the world, and he proves it by making all the stupid choices, and then he comes to the conclusion that there are certain things that matter and certain things that don't. And what ultimately matters uh, is that you love the Lord your God, and uh, you keep his commandments, and you live your life that way. That's the wise thing to do. Song of Solomon, tell you how to marry, tell you how to date, tell you how to be attracted to somebody, tell you a whole bunch of stuff that you, some of you don't want to admit in your Bible, but it is. And uh, it's the wise way to be in a uh, romantic relationship. It's all there. That's why we call them the wisdom books. Jesus is our wisdom personified, which is an important theological point. I think that's why when we ask what's the wise thing to do, it works out. You're listening to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host, will be back with Hour 2 in just a moment. Don't go away. Stay tuned. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.